Jackie, as you and I were talking about sharing this, this passage together, uh, I, I'm struck by a couple of things. You know, it's, for people who don't know, the, the reading of a particular passage before a sermon, the scripture reading of the day, uh, is done in lots of ways. Different churches do it in different ways. This church is part of a, a large network of churches around the world that follows something called the lectionary. And on the lectionary, it's sort of a pre-chosen selection of scriptures that allow you to read through the whole Bible over the course of a few years. And so it's striking to me that that particular passage is being read by people all over the world. I think it's worth sort of noting that mm -hmm. while this community sits in one room and with some people online, that there are people all over the world who are also wondering, what does this mean for us? Right. And because this is an ancient text, comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the Hebrew scriptures, it's been heralded and read aloud in congregations and communities for thousands of years. Thousands of years yeah. So it's, it's interesting that we find ourselves in a very moment that's also in this global and this historic setting that we find ourselves in. So I, I sort of noticed that. And because this is a Hebrew uh, scripture um, and I'm a Christian pastor, uh, I asked my rabbi friend, Joseph Edelheid, who's my rabbi, I'm excited to, uh, uh, rabbi. to say, Rabbi, how should I think about this text? Because his community has been thinking about this longer and in different ways than I've had the opportunity to. And Rabbi Joseph said to me, you know, it's an interesting passage. It comes from Deuteronomy 30. And Deuteronomy 30, where you read so eloquently from, is part of a longer set that has a chapter before it which sets it up. And he said, I think to really understand this call of moving into the land and choosing life and choosing death, sort of the all and all, that you're going to live in this, this time where you have choices to make about all of life, that the you that's being addressed is important. Mm -hmm. So he said, look at a few verses earlier, chapter 29, where the introduction says this. The you being addressed here is, you assembled today, all of you. And I, I love the notion of all. I, like, like you, I'm an allist when it comes to my theology. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Right? I like to say some people are Methodists, some are Baptists. You're I'm an allist and a lovist, yeah. right? Uh, all of you, before the Lord your God, you're gathered. Then it goes on with a list. And my Rabbi Joseph says, it's a, a place where only a few times in the Hebrew Scriptures is a list given. And this list matters of who is being addressed. He says, the leaders of your tribes, your elders and your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, the women, the foreigners in your camp, both those who cut wood and those who draw water. Now, Rabbi Joseph said, that's this list that includes all y'all. All y'all. Right? It includes men and women and elders and children and foreigners and workers and leaders and everyone. So this call that this chosen people is going to enter into a land is not a subset of the special, but is all. And he pointed out to me in this time where we live in an age in which some of us want to believe that only for some, some should be let in, some should be kept out. This entering a land narrative is for the all. I love so that. So that's what's striking me today. I love it. I love that you talk to your rabbi. I talk to my rabbi. Yeah. I call Sharon Browse when I need a rabbi. I say, girl, hook a sister up um, with some exegetical work. One of the things that she often points me to is a, actually a website that we can all go to um, um, that has some Torah teaching, and it's called My Jewish Learning. 
So um, one of the things that struck me is that the words for this particular piece of scripture, because the Jewish people have a lectionary as well, yes. right? They're reading Torah throughout the year. And when you get to this particular reading, it's called Parashat Nitzavim, Parashat Nitzvazim. And what it means is we are standing. Mm. So just like Genesis literally means in the beginning, yeah. right? Um, this, these two words literally mean we are standing. And it is taken to say this word is written and given when we are standing, when we, yeah. they, are standing outside of the land, Doug, yeah. ready to go in the land. Yeah. It's sort of like God's last campaign speech yeah. for the, how they should be a people, like that campaign yeah. speech, because yeah. vote yeah. come and go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's God's last campaign speech to give them a words about how to be. And... She also says, um, just like in Genesis, when it's, it, it, God created heaven and God created earth, it's shorthand for God creates everything. Mm -hmm. When it's, I have given you life and I have given you death, that's shorthand for the whole life cycle. Yeah. So that the babies over here sharing their crayons and the most oldest beautiful one of us in the room might be Miss Geraldine, I don't know. She's so cute and I can't tell how old she is. But the, but the oldest ones of us and the youngest ones of us, all of us are being invited to go in the land, yeah. to go in the land and to live in such a way, Doug, that we choose life. Yeah. And the kind of twist in that is what we do to choose life can't just be yeah. for us. Yeah. Choosing life is the way we live to, for the whole community, yeah, it's a community for the whole company. Yeah. It's a communal yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm also struck that, you know, this is a passage that is thousands of years old. Yeah. You sort of imagine that in every political age, in every cultural age, in every time humanity has been brought together, that religion has a choice. It can either say divide and separate, mm -hmm. divide and conquer, or it can say bring together and inhabit. Yep. And there's something in the human spirit that is given these choices. Yeah. Right? It's easy to say, well, in our day, we live in the most divisive time that we've ever lived in. And I don't know, it feels like the most divisive time that I've been alive um, in, in my you know, half century. But that's not only created in this moment. These are the deep human impulses. And for people who spend our life trying to be in the religious community, giving some words and, and leadership, we have choices to make, as do all people in every sector of society. Do we want to bring together or do we want to separate? And I'm sort of heartened by the fact that this is the human condition we're talking about. Right. In the way that the teachings of Jesus, you know, sort of my other rabbi, in the way that the teachings of Jesus call you to the human project, right. not to the... Churchy project. Churchy project. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. This, is, this is what we've been up to and what we've been a, been a part of. For, the, for all of human for all history, time, yeah. all of human history. Yeah. It's interesting that the word religion literally means to reconnect, right? Religion is religamate, reconnect. Okay, and so how yeah. have I never heard that in my whole life? I don't life? know why, because Brian McLaren <laughs> told me. Why did he tell you? He's I our shared know. friend, he's, right? He's holding Isn't out. Isn't that good? Yeah. Religament, rejoin. Like, like a ligament. Like, yeah. Like a ligament holds together, religion should bring This is bring why that I went to together. school, so I could tell Doug this whole, yeah. right? Um, I don't know, maybe yeah. you all knew that, that no. the root of the word religion was religion, to reunite. To reunite. And yeah. instead, I mean, yeah, I want to talk good. about the, the, isn't that good? <laughs> I want to talk about the, the kind of hey like. Hey, man, thank you for coming today. <laughs> End of sermon. 
the, the, you're full of that stuff, though, aren't you? You're stuff. just full of it. The chosenness problem, yeah. right? Yeah. The chosenness problem. If we want to be really real in this Black History Month, in this time of love, when my friends on the border are doing a lot of incredible, difficult work of witnessing and storytelling, when, when, when people are being... Uh, the stories that are coming out of the border right now are so horrifying, I think that's why they're not being reported. It, it, the, the way people are being arrested, Doug, the way people are being pulled apart from their families and then kept before they can get to the so-called problem, promised land. Yeah. The, the, the chosenness problem is who gets the land. Yeah. Who gets to have the land? Who, who gets to be chosen? Who gets to stand on the outside of the land and be a part of the we yeah. that gets to go in the land? So do, do Mexicans get to go in the land when actually we split Mexico willy-nilly yeah. right at the Rio Grande River? Who gets to go into the land? Who gets to go into Palestine? Who gets to go in the land when there are now fences and barbed wires going through the yards of people whose olive groves have been split because we totally massacred a people, let's be honest, there's no Holocaust hiding here, we massacre a people, and the response to massacring those people is to take land from those people to make sure that those people have a homeland. Who gets to go into the land? Do black people go into the land? Do, do, do black people get to go into the promised land? Do gay people get to go into the promised land? Yeah. Do children get to go into the land? This, this, this promise and dream deferred yeah. problem. Yeah, and we have to think about it every day. I'm, I'm a part of a project called Vote Common Good mm -hmm. that Amanda mentioned, and we're an effort that travels the country. In fact, there's a bus out there that says faith, hope, and love for a change on election day. Our project is to, to ask the religious community and religious mm -hmm. voters in this country to deepen into their faith and stop the reelection of Donald Trump. Because for, thank you. Um, and, we are traveling the, we're traveling the entire country doing this, going to every state starting January 2nd. We're going to be in every state with it over the, that 79-day period until the end of March. Then we're going to focus our efforts on the 11 states that matter most in the election. And while people that have the privilege of being in this room and listening to what comes out of this room might know that their faith does not demand that they support a Republican candidate, even if it's Donald Trump as the candidate, people all over the country don't know that. So we travel the country to have rallies and events in every state to tell that story. The story that you tell here every Sunday and you tell here the 366 days of 2020, we're trying to tell that all over the country because people don't know this story. Well, that led us, because we're going to every state, to be in New Mexico a few weeks ago. And we stood at the border. And when you stand at the border and you see this wall that has been erected, these slats that go 18 feet high, made of metal and buried six feet deep, you sort of wonder who's walled in and who's walled out. You wonder which side of the land you would, side of the wall you would rather be on. You wonder who's afraid of whom. And when you stand at those slats and stick your arms through and hold hands with the people that are trapped on the other side, having split family from family, you see just how horrible this oppressive imagery of division is. There, it rends the land. If anyone has stood there and you see it, it is a sickening sight to see the beauty of the New Mexican and Mexican desert just torn apart by a wall of division. Then we went into the courtroom and watched them process detainees and heard a lawyer stand up on behalf of a mother and say, 
judge, we demand to know where her child is. If you can imagine in this country, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, lawyers having to stand up and say, judge, this government took her daughter and they say they don't know where she is. Dr. King that was two weeks that, ago. It, it's horrifying, uh, Doug, and it has dropped off the news. Dr. King would say that's thingifying somebody. Wow. Those black and brown people are not people enough to be concerned about in, in mass. When you can shoot somebody in the face because they're just trying to protect their brother from being arrested, when still black and brown bodies can be shot you know, without weapons, just shot willy-nilly because there's fear, when we body slam black children onto the, to the, to the ground, the walls that have been erected between people, yes. Doug, at the border, but also around class and around race and around human sexuality and around poverty, we have got to be wall demolishers. That yes. is really yeah, our that's right. Yeah, you have to be, yeah, yeah, wall demolishers. <coughs> Absolutely. It's almost like you want to you want to march around the walls until, until they, they come collapse, down. right? Exactly. I mean, the, even those narratives yeah. are long term in our story. Right. This is this is work we have to keep up right. keep up on and keep doing. And I'm a I'm a pastor who's pastored predominantly white church for the last 20 years. And I'll and I travel we travel in our audience for this work we do at Vote Common Good is predominantly white evangelicals and white Catholics because they support this president in numbers that are unthinkable. In Black History Month and these conversations, this has to happen in the white communities too. When white communities act as if Black History Month is their chance for only the black church to speak up, black history is American history. Amen. It is not black speak history. Come on. And <laughs> there's just... You know, our little motto, our, our motto is faith, hope, and love for a change on election day. And our saying is you have to wake up, speak up, and stand up because your faith should call you to wake up. Your hope should call you to speak up. And love is a verb that causes you to stand up and to act. And this is a privilege you all have. And I would like to invoke you uh, at, at, at our rallies and events that, that we travel on, uh, that we do. And we're doing one here tonight. In fact, you'd be welcome to come. They're, they're public meetings. Genesis B, who did the poem earlier, will do two pieces tonight. There's some fantastic music. Candidates speak. And we, we, we put out this call to people. And what, what, one of the things that's important for me is, as an allist and a lovist in my theology, as somebody who follows Jesus, that, that love is the, is the call that we have, this gets real dicey. Yes. Right? Because I find myself traveling around and like speaking against the Trump administration and these policies that they do, almost to the point that it becomes personal and I don't want to be filled with hate. As a, as a follower of, of love, I believe that every person is a beloved child of God. Donald Trump is a beloved child of God. As a follower of the way of Jesus, I believe everyone is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I have to proclaim and do proclaim that Donald Trump is the light of the world. But not every light of the world should be the president of the United States and he's totally unequipped to do it and he can't do it and he's harming this planet and he needs to take his dim little light and let it shine somewhere else and stop bothering the people of this country. But it is hard to not take, to not just turn this into embittered group on group aggression. It, we feel the is. need to say, I'm not asking Republicans to stop being Republicans on November 3rd, but I'm begging them to not vote for this guy on November yeah. 3rd, right? Yeah. That think, somehow we have to come together and still call out. We don't want to be led into temptation. We want to be delivered from evil. And somehow living in that allist, lovest world and saying, 
this secondhand smoke of the damage of this rhetoric is killing this country. I truly believe the administration of Donald Trump is hazardous to the planet and all who live on it. Yeah. And that becomes this difficult moment of proclaiming inclusion and love, and yet this is so damaging. So I guess I'm begging for a little pastoral huh. care and a little help. Thank you like so much, does Doug, one, for that. How does one travel the, the, the country or travel the city uh, and live in a world where we hold both of these simultaneously? I, I think that is the question, and I think it takes us back to the text, right? The text ends up saying this law from God to love the world and to heal the world. Um, some might say redeem the world, redeem the soul of America. This calling, this law, this imperative from our God is not up in heaven yeah. waiting for us to go get it, nor is it at the far end of the sea waiting for us to go find it. It's right here. It's right here. And I think, I mean, just to problematize this a little bit, Doug, there's a way in which progressives like you and I are all nammy-pammy, wimpy, don't want to say anybody's bad. Yeah. Trump is bad. The Republican Party isn't bad, but Trump is horrifying. And the Senate that lets him get away with it did not do their job. Yes. That is a yes. fact. That's right. And I think, I think actually love calls us to be truth tellers. Yes. Right? Love isn't like wussy, punky, not truth telling. Love is telling the truth. It's how we tell the truth. I don't need to demonize the people who voted for Trump to ask them to do something different. Yeah. I think that's, that's a missing piece in this. Like, can I, can I find a way, can you hold my water? Yes. Can I can make a Venn diagram? Can I find a way in I, as I move in my world yeah. to be looking for the space where me and the so-called other have something in common? Can I look for the shared, that's community organizing 101, yes, right? right. Um, I was watching an Obama movie last night. I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> this idea of uh, what do we have in common? What do I want? Clean planet, okay. What do I want? Safe space for my children to learn and grow, okay. What do I want? Count every citizen, okay. Find the thing, we've got to find the thing. We are going to hell if we don't find the thing. Mm -hmm. Frankly, we're already in hell because we haven't found the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm not giving up on finding the thing. I'm black, you see this. Mm -hmm. I am, my, my big problem is white supremacy gone amok. Like yep. I'm not ha feeling good about it. But if I give up on white people, because I, right? Yep. How much of the population am I gonna have to give up on? I, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. What I have to do is look for allies and look for partners yeah. and look for shared meaning and look for the story that we create together. And I think that this is what this text is calling us to, yeah. Doug, is that we are all standing outside the promised land. Yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody yeah. really in the promised land. Yeah, that's right. Like the truth of the matter is, you are not in the promised land when your neighbor's hungry. Yes. You're not. You think you are behind your gated community, but you are not. In, a, in the promised land when your neighbor's not safe. Yeah. So that, I think, is what calls us to, to do yeah. it a little differently. Thank you. Thank you. Can, can I, can, my can water? I tell, Thank tell you a story about that? I'm from Minneapolis, and uh, Donald Trump came to Minnesota in April to tout the tax policy. And it was around the same time that he had started his attacks on Ilhan Omar, who's my mm -hmm. congresswoman, and mm -hmm. she's a Muslim woman um, from Somalia. And... Because Donald Trump was coming, a bunch of his supporters were going to show up at this little factory in a small area outside of Minneapolis to support him. And Ilhan Omar uh, supporters came as well. And so they were lined up on both sides of the street. Mm. And I ran a radio show at the time. And so I went to 
find out what was happening there. And I was moving back and forth. Oh, Ilhan Omar supporters on one side and Donald Trump supporters on the other with signs yelling back and forth at each other with a small little two-lane road between one another. Talk about the divide. Talk about the two worlds. Talk about the two countries. So I was moving back and forth between asking people what their, why they were there. Something I heard on both sides was people saying, I don't know who those people are. Mm-hmm. Now, these are f- folks that live in the same state near enough to drive to the same place, they wound up on the same road on two different sides saying, I don't recognize you. It was a scary moment. The other thing that happened on the Trump side, there are a few hundred people on each side, and I talked to 20 or more, to a person, this quick little interview I would do with them saying, why are you here? They would say something like, I'm not a bad person for supporting Donald Trump. And I would say, Well, who said you're a bad person? And they would start naming them. My brother, my mom, you, those people over there. Everyone's saying we're bad people for supporting Donald Trump. Then they would start to give me reasons that always included her emails and Hillary Clinton and all the rest of this, right? And I was struck by something. That if we think that people who support Donald Trump don't hear the moral critique, they hear a moral critique. Very clearly. Now, here's the struggle. What do you say when someone says, I'm not an immoral person for supporting this this leader? Because I wanted to say, I think you're acting immorally by supporting this leader. (laughs) Now, how you separate out, I am not bad with I'm doing a harmful, evil thing, that's the moment that we live in right now. And so I felt this real interpersonal tension as an activist and a pastor, and a shared human being looking these people in the eyes while tears roll down their face saying, I felt I had no other choice. Mm. So we live in this age where people feel their only choice is to act in an immoral fashion. So So our hearts have to become wide while we call them to not give in to temptation and to resist evil. Boy, this is... That we need hard like six work. more sermons on this. This is hard work. But let me tell you a story too. And, and like my dad is an African-American man, like I'm an African-American person who was raised in Mississippi in Jim Crow South. He has every reason to be angry with white people. Period. Full stop. Grew up poor, stayed poor, took himself to the Air Force, got disrespected by people beneath mm-hmm. his rank, like... A, ca- a catalog of micro and major aggressions to make Richard Lewis able to just be mad at white people forever, forever. So I fall in love with a white man named John, and John and I are on a, uh, uh, it was my graduation party, and my dad is so mean to John that John leaves the party. I mean, like, John is like, I gotta go because I might be disrespectful to the old black man, and the old black man was just stank. The verb stank, to a stank to John. He was. So I love John and I love my dad. Mm. And I end up saying to dad, I hear you, I feel you, but you actually never get to disrespect me mm-hmm. in my own house that way again. And what were you thinking, right? Time goes on, John and I get married. Dad doesn't come to the wedding. He's healing, but he's not ready. By the time we get to my dad's house after the wedding and John's got a bottle of rum as a peace offering, John has gone to my dad to make peace. He's white and he's going to my old black man dad to make peace. 
somebody's got to make peace. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got to go out yeah. there. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got to say, damn, I mean, darn, this is really hard. <laughs> somebody's got somebody's to go there. And I'm sorry, white people have to go there. Yes. Hello, my nice white people, nod with me. Yeah. White people have to go there. The person who has the power has to go there. Sometimes people have to go there. And so we have to, take, we have to decide to choose life. To Choosing there. life is to go there. My dad now, every single time I talk to him, without fail, mm. tell John I love him, tell Joel I love him, tell the baby I love them, Get, takes great delight in buying John golf shirts for his birthday every year. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. The transformation, the redemption yes, yes. is because somebody went first. Yeah. I'm sorry, who's gonna go first? Yeah. Go first. Who's and gonna we, go? And we can't give up on people. No, can't. That's how we, that's how we choose life. I know we yeah. need to end because we're long, but yeah. that's how we choose life. I'm choosing, we gotta choose life for everybody. Yes. And that is something about the way we lay down our crap, Doug. Yeah. And pick up love. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Is that a good place to stop? I don't want to say another word. Well, there we go. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful.